Good morning. It is Monday, May 18th, 6.23 a.m. I hope y'all had a good week. I know I did. Um, It has been a very busy week. And I've just been on a constant hamster wheel getting everything done. Um, But yeah, there's... It's kind of feels to me bleh, feels to me like I haven't had any coffee um, <laughs> um, it feels to me like I have less free time or something this week it was it was um, just packed with with toil um, I went back to Andrew's warehouse for the last time yesterday and stayed there for a couple of hours and grabbed the last round of books. Uh, One of the books that I found, I was at first very excited about. Forget the title of it because it ended up being a pretty bad book. Um, And I just kind of banished it from my mind. Let me look here. What was it called? One moment. Oh, The Lady's Guide. The Lady's Guide. Usually, books that handle etiquette, manners, and, you know, comportment, and that sort of thing sell really well, so I was hoping it would be one of those, or in the Victorian era, there were a lot of books on how to be the the perfect woman. I mean, there's always, those are always around in some form, but they were especially popular in the Victorian era, and they also covered matters of health and that sort of thing. So I was like, well, I, I hit pay dirt here. Um, for some reason, I hadn't bothered to read who the author was. I was just started looking through it and taking pictures of it. And I realized pretty quickly that I was like, wait a minute, I've heard about this this particular book, um, and it was written by Kellogg, the guy who made the Kellogg's cornflakes. And the way I, f- I figured that out was finally by reading the title of the where it has the author the author's name, um, but also the the text looked familiar to me too, because I'd read about it before. Um, but basically, the the man was obsessed with women's sex lives and and also obsessed with masturbation. It was just, and he, he was, he was creepy. And he wrote like a thousand page book on it. And I was like, ugh, I don't want to present this to my customers. Kellogg was a complete and total, I think just like a predator. He was so creepy. So I was happy to put that book in the reject box um, but also disappointed that it wasn't a better book and that it was written by him I just couldn't have that in in the shop um, before I went to Andrew's warehouse I went to the Alamany flea market and I thought it, for some reason that it was going to be full of people it was kind of rainy outside but you know I would think that, you know, since it had been closed for so long that it would put a damper on things that would have, 
put a damper on things. Um, but when I got there, there were only maybe 10 booths open. It was around 7 a.m. And before I went there, I called I called the place to make sure that they would be open. And it said that there would be 54 booths open. So I got there and two of my favorite vendors were there. And that was good. But yeah, it was mostly all weird junk and stuff. Um, the the most annoying people were there. So I then that started making me think like, oh, maybe I'm one of the most annoying people in the world. But <laughs> I quickly put that thought out of my head. Because, um, you know, those kind of thoughts don't do you any good. And so I, uh, yeah, I bought a few things. But yeah, it was a very dismal turnout. I think that there were maybe like 12 customers total and then 10 vendors. And I, what did I get? I didn't get, I got very little. I got some Catholic ephemera and some little prayer books. And then I got a child-sized Czechoslovakian civilian issue gas mask um and I'm not gonna sell it I'm just gonna hang it on my wall it's I don't know it looks really cool um and then I got a little wind up flocked bunny from Japan it's probably from the 60s 50s or 60s um it doesn't work but I got it because it had such a cute face and that is another thing I'm keeping. Um, and then I got an elaborate Cupie Valentine, which I sold. And I sold some of the Catholic ephemera yesterday. So yeah, that was my flea market, John. It was it was dismal, but I'm probably gonna keep going back um, just to support it and to make sure that it hangs in there. Um, and I miss going to the flea market. It's not the same when there's not that many vendors, though. There were no clothes or anything like that. Um, no good jewelry. One guy that had jewelry was just, he was just a dick with jewelry, you know? Like, he was just kind of mean. I'm like, you know what? I'm sorry that you're not having a good day, Sonny, but <laughs> being mean to like one your one potential customer is going to make your day worse actually because you'll be more poor um but yeah everybody has bad days I guess so then I went home and I after I went to Andrews um and just yeah looked through the books cleaned them photographed them I think I photographed like 15 books um, it, it's kind of time consuming but I, I enjoy it and then I started sewing a mask um, Liz gave me a bunch of handkerchiefs on consignment and I, I was thinking at first I was like hmm I don't know I, I don't know if I can sell these 
Maybe I could put them in groupings or pairs, but then I, I realized, oh, these would make good masks. So I'm making masks and that feels really good because I was feeling really guilty about not making masks. I had, because I know how to make them and I had basically just been working on my garments. Um, so when I'm done with the handkerchief masks, I'll go back to the garments, the garment sewing. Um, but yeah, it does feel good and I've been selling them and that feels good too. Each, each mask has sold. I've made four so far and I'm on my fifth one. They're, they're very dainty and every component, everything is hand sewn, like I hand rolled the um, the ties and sew those down. Um, just that was kind of out of necessity, but it became another design element. So I, I, I have a mask that Summer sent me in the mail that I wear a lot. There's two of them that she gave me and I alternate them. Um, I don't know. It's some people want fashionable masks and that's something that I would be providing. Um, you know, it cheers people up to have a, a pretty thing. Um, for myself, I kind of like things on the plainer side. Um, just, just so there's one less talking point for people to talk to me. Um, if anything, this quarantine has solidified my resolve to just cut out unnecessary contact, which was something I, it was a path I was already on. It just, I don't know, the energy just, my energy just, just gets zapped away. My life force gets zapped away. Um, and now it seems even more so. I don't know if you guys are experiencing that, but just interactions become more draining to me. So, yeah, limiting those are, are great in some ways. Um, I was going to go to Japantown again on Saturday, but I had a feeling that it wasn't a good, a good idea um, when I started getting ready to go out because there were so many people out on the streets in the mission that I didn't want to even like pass through them when I was coming back from the post office and I was like, okay, I'm ready to, to go to Japantown. Um, yeah, there were just too many people to even get through and it kind of freaked me out. Um, I was going downstairs to bring my bike out and there was a, um, there was somebody like basically just pooping and peeing outside of my, I mean, I don't, I wasn't watching them closely, but they were doing something that didn't smell good. And it was happening right outside of that back door. And it was a new face. It was a new person I didn't recognize. Um, and then I'm like, okay, well, maybe I'll just go around. They're pretty much blocking the door. And I was blocked in from my exit from my gate. There was somebody sitting on my steps smoking crack. And I was just, it was just really discouraging. I was like, why am I 
why am I going out, you know? Um, and I, you know, then I, I waited a little bit and realized that I had to get some garlic to make a yummy meal. So like maybe an hour or two had passed. So I went to Casa, I was on my way to Casa Guadalupe, which they have the best organic garlic. I don't know why, but they have the best garlic. It's that purple garlic and it is, you know, that it's crunchy, you know, (laughs) it's zesty and bursting with oil and it's crisp and crunchy. It's good garlic. So I went there to buy it and on my way there, there was some guy in the parking lot who came out and started following me and was like, hey baby, who I'd never seen before. Some people are familiar faces and you're just like, eh, whatever. But it's, it, it kind of tipped me off a little bit. It was like my spidey senses went out because I was thinking, wow, you're just following me around. And I got into the store, came out, and then when I was coming back and turning the corner, he started following me again. He was outside of the McDonald's. He started following me again, and I just ignored him. And then these other two guys were in the alley, new and more new faces. They looked like they were, um, they looked like crack dealers from the, from the Civic Center station. Um, and it's really easy to spot a crack dealer. Uh, they are dressed, they are dressed like in these kind of like baggy tight low rise. So they're, they're like skinny jeans that are baggy in a weird way. And they have all these whiskers, um, deliberate whiskering on them. And then they're wearing like a Versace type shirt or Versace or Gucci shirt. And then they have like an oversized baseball cap and a mullet usually. And the mullet is oiled with some kind of product or something. Um, so there were two of them and I'm like, what are these guys doing down here? They're, this is not their, this is not their jurisdiction. They should be at the civic center BART. Um, and they were in my alley and just leering at me and they're like, Hey mama, Hey mama, Hey baby. And I didn't respond to them. And you know, when someone's talking to you like that, you just, every second seems like like, like 10 minutes, you know, just grueling. So I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't have that far to walk, but you know, they're like, what, what, you you can't say anything to me. And I was just like, just get in, you know, just unlock the gate and get inside the door and stay in. And I'm not afraid of any of them, but it, it it's disturbing and it also puts a damper on, on trying to get out and do fun things. So I did fun things in the house, though. I made myself a delicious meal, um, a little casserole made out of sushi rice that was really good, Um, and I had two glasses of wine and watched some TV, and I went to bed, and I'm like, that's fine, that's fine. So today I'm going to go to Japantown again on my bike, Um, so... I guess as long as it's not the freaking weekend, it was just really weird. And then my downstairs neighbor, Nicole, I heard her get into it with either a crack dealer or another crack user, um, right outside of the house. Um, 
And she told them to get the fuck out of the alley, and it was great. Um, but yeah, I think that's very strange that the crackheads are, are moving. I mean, and it's not to say that there is not crack smoking in the mission, but crack that when they have the dealers straight up, you know, right right outside your door, that's that's creepy. And all week it had there has been an uptick in people somebody had to come and basically spray the wall of of the like the muraled wall that faces the parking lot. Someone had to spray it down with a hose because people were doing their business on that. And I'm not just talking about number one, number two. And so yeah, that's disheartening. Um and, you know, occasionally people do do that, but when people smoke crack, they do it way, way more. And I'm like, oh, great. Um, in a way, though, I have to be thankful for that unsavory leftover. I have to be thankful for the droppings because that's what keeps my rent nice and cheap. So I know that's that's kind of kind of a weird, weird place to go, but... It really does keep my rent cheap, so that's great. I love I love cheap rent, relatively cheap rent. Let's put it that way. Um, if this apartment were in Ohio, I'd probably be paying about a third of what I'm paying here. But I'm not in Ohio. I'm in San Francisco. Um, and overall, I still really love the city. I love being here. I love living here. Um, being alone here is great. Going places by myself is great. Um, meeting up with my friends is great too. But yeah, it's a really great it's a really great city still, and I know that we're gonna get through this. And it's it's a beautiful place. Um, it's so beautiful that I can just sit in my bed and think about all the different places that I can go to today. And that's just on my bike. And I can be at, you know, the Palace of Fine Arts if I want. Maybe I'll go there on my bike. Um, or I can go down to Japantown. I'm not riding into the Tenderloin, though, because that's kind of a hotbed for the, for the virus. That's where the most cases are in San Francisco. But there's lots of beautiful places in my small city that I can go to. So... I feel a lot safer when I'm on my bike. Um, it, it freaks me out and really bothers me when people are just running and getting their sweat particles all over, all over. That's always bothered me, you know. Um, I think that they need like a running track or something or a trail. Um, but that would probably like create more crime or something. Um, but yeah, some, some guy when I was on the way to the post office was running and bumped into me on the sidewalk when I had like two full bags of shipping and I'm just like come on just your physique is not that great anyway so running just makes you like a more whittled down version of like your boring self but I was like Michelle stop it's like really mean um so yeah, that was that those are the many mundane aspects of my life. And I've been cooking a ton and I still haven't eaten at a restaurant and I don't know that I want to. 
I'm a good cook and I've got plenty of food. So one of the things that I made for the first time, which was actually inspired by a restaurant meal, uh, I don't know if y'all have ever been to Mission Chinese on Mission Street. Um, it's it's hopping with with hipsters, etc. It's it's good. They've got large portions. It's kind of old school style. Um, they have several different types of fried rice. They have pastrami fried rice, and they also have uh, like a salt cod fried rice, which both are delicious. The salt cod fried rice is really simple. It's basically just garlic, a salt cod, and um, eggs. <laughs> um, and then the other one is a little bit more elaborate, and that has pastrami in it. So I was going to order some some takeout but then I was like well you have all this stuff to make fried rice with why don't you make fried rice I had leftover rice um about three cups worth and I had eggs green onions I had some leftover corned beef which would which is a good substitute for pastrami and the corned beef wasn't you know once you eat about two pounds of corned beef in one sitting you kind of get sick of it so I was like eh, I gotta find a use for it um had the eggs the garlic and I had shrimp so I you know thought out that shrimp took the tails off jalapeno and what you do is you cut up the corned beef or whatever meat into tiny little cubes and then you cut up some garlic and you saute it lightly and on low heat with sesame oil and you know you do it for like just until the garlic's a little soft and then you add your rice and it's it's best if it's cold because that way it it just the texture of it reacts to the oil better um, and it doesn't stick so much so you get that going and you just you, you constantly keep flipping it now I'm not the most efficient cook so I turn it off because I'm like oh god um, but your eggs make sure you have like two eggs or something like that and at least two eggs you can add more if you want and you you beat those eggs and you set them aside then you turn the heat back on and you get the this time you get the heat really going and you're constantly you know flipping that rice and I don't have a wok I use a cast iron skillet but if you have a wok you know you can do it just like they do at the restaurants um, and then I start to add peas and some carrots that I chopped and the jalapeno uh, make sure you remove all the seeds from the jalapeno and when you're chopping it put a plastic bag over your hand and that's very important when you're working with jalapenos um, if you've if you've never worked with one for the first time and then scoop the seeds out with the plastic bag hand and then inverse the plastic bag and throw it away um, so then you chop that up and you put that in there and you get that going and then you add the egg and you just you know and here's how you add the egg you make a kind of like a, a blank space circle in the middle of the 
of the rice mixture and then you pour the egg into that and you kind of like work away at the egg at cooking that and then you fold the rice that's on the outskirts into the egg and mix it that way otherwise it just does weird things it does weird things texture wise it's all about texture and that that's a very important step um, and then you add the shrimp and you toss that about until the shrimp turns pink and then you have a huge mound of fried rice and it's so good it it's better than restaurant it was so good add a little soy sauce um, I tend to add the soy sauce at the very end like just at the very very end because I don't like it to be too salty um, so yeah that's something I did I made that and yeah I've been watching lots of film noir films and I watched the series on Hulu called The Great, which I highly recommend. It has Elle Fanning in it. She plays Catherine the Great. And it's like a comedy take on on the story of young Catherine the Great. Which, I mean, it has... I love Catherine the Great. She's fabulous. Um, and I've seen pretty much every single version. You know, the one with Catherine Zeta-Jones. The one with... Uh, Juliette Benouche. Um, who else? Oh, that one with that one with Helen Mirren on HBO was horrible. Um, there were no cute guys in it, and I don't know. I I think Helen Mirren's fabulous, and she was great in it, but it was it was one that I just couldn't even get through. It was really bad. Um, but the great is really funny. It's ugh, very good costumes but more on that later and it's meant to be a comedy and it's kind of a, a fictionalized account of of that but but one thing that 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 they do that they kind of get right in the fictionalized account is they capture like the excesses of of the Russian court during that time which was emulating the French court during the age of enlightenment and, you know, they definitely wanted to have the same pomp and and um, beauty and excess that the French court had. But then it was done with the Russian spin, um, where it was just even more decadent and even more over the top and more elaborate and more, more Baroque than the French. So I feel in some ways like the comedic aspect of that captures it. Um, but yeah, it's it's ten part series, and they'll probably have another season if they let people out acting again. But here's what I have to say about the costumes. Overall, they're good costumes. Not any particular costume blew me away, and then maybe then I realized, oh, probably because I've been inundated with costume dramas, um, and costume dramas have kind of experienced a, a vogue um, in the last two years. So the costumes did not blow me away. They were beautiful. Um, and and also, I think when there, there were different times when, when the women wore very bright, single-color silk dresses 
with no print or embroidery on them, but they had, uh, you know, the focus was all about the cut of the dress and the color. And those, those two gowns, there was a bright, deep fuchsia gown, and then there was a really bright, like, bright scarlet red gown that were in that vein. And they just really, you know, they really popped um, so those, those I was impressed by that, that showed, um, a point of view from, from the, the costumer. I'm always looking for points of view in historical, um, period dramas because, you know, when back in the day, a long time ago, people would, you know, they would have their modes of dress. And that was when you look back in like costume histories and, you know, different examples, you're like, okay, that's how they dressed. And there's this, but some things that get lost along the way are points of view. So I'm looking for like the modern designers point of view and like their insertion of their aesthetic into the, into the, um, entirety of the costume into like the body of work for that particular movie um so I was like great I got to see a little point of view sometimes sometimes point of view can be um ugly and unwelcome <laughs> like um in the favorite when they had all those laser cut all that laser cut lace that was made out of pleather um Overall, it was supposed to, I think, convey the uniformity and the conformity of the court and, and you know, the process that goes into laser cutting a garment, you know, laser cutting fabric is very uniform and very precise. So I think overall, the statement it made was good, but it was just unattractive and it looked cheap. Um, I, I would like to see handmade lace up close on a big screen. That's, that's what gives me joy. Um, but one of the other things in the costumes in the Catherine the Great movie, or series, excuse me, was there was a lot of fur because it was Russia, and it was a lot of fake fur, fake-looking fur. And I know there's a lot of faux fur out there. They could have chosen better fake fur. Like much, much, much better fake fur. Um, it just looked like they went to, you know, discount fabrics or something. And they're like, I'll take the fun fur. I'll take that fun fur. It was almost like Burning Man. I, I didn't, you know, I didn't cotton to that too much. Um, one show that did really, made really excellent use of fake fur was that show Unorthodox that I was telling you about when when the um, Hasidic men have their their wedding hats that are traditionally made out of mink, they they cost upwards of a thousand dollars, and they're, you know, that was kind of out of the budget for the show, and also they didn't want to mess with the mink, so what they did was they took long, like shaggy fake fur, and they hairsprayed it. And that, that was genius. It looked just like the real thing. They did a really good job. So you can do good things with, with fake fur and, and make it, and make it look opulent and get it to do what you want. Um, 
you know, using, you know, the days of using real fur in, in a movie are, are gone. Those days are gone. And, um, now with the heightened technology, like, of you know, high definition, you can see really easily, even if you're, you don't have a high def TV, but the way things are shot, you can see very easily if it's fake fur. So I don't know. I just, it, it takes me out of the story. It takes me out of, of like the escapist mode and causes me to focus on that, that detail. And one of the things about fur is it's a form of conspicuous consumption. It takes up space, you know, um, and it's meant to convey wealth and power. And so when you just have a bunch of fake fur on there or fake, very fake looking fur, it really detracts from the effect of it altogether. All right. Um, I could just talk about that forever, you know, um, I'm really passionate about costumes and, and clothes and, you know, sometimes people, you know, probably if they just saw me walking down the street would think that I don't care about any of that and that's fine. I don't want them to know what I like. Well, I am about to make my coffee and work on another mask. I'm excited about that. My goal is one mask per day at least. And this one is really pretty. It's made out of a hand embroidered cotton, like a, like a Swiss cotton voile handkerchief. And it has these little tiny rosebuds on it. And then I'm making the ties out of, um, acetate uh, like a seam binding tape and then I'm rolling it into a into two straps and then I'm fortifying each each little strap with a mother of pearl button the buttons help kind of give it a weight so I'm gonna start on that and then I'm gonna go to Japan down on my bike all right so I hope you guys have a great day hang in there um and remember, like, just because you're not seeing as many people as you normally would, you know, you're still allowed to be aware of, like, the quality of of the time that you keep. And, you know, time still is valuable. Even though you may have more of it, it's still, it still is, is very valuable. And your time is valuable. All right. You guys have a great day. And thank you for listening and using some of your time on this podcast. All right. Bye-bye.